and just putting it out there, 85% done and getting feedback as it happens. Because um, I think I said this before, if we were to wait till, at least programmatically, if we were to wait till every program was perfect, we wouldn't have a program in 2023. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome to Building Birmingham Together, a show about Birmingham's business leaders' successes, failures, and lessons learned to encourage you to remember that dreaming is free, but the hustle is sold separately. I'm your host, Kim Lee, founder and CEO of Forge. Building Birmingham Together is brought to you today by Forge. Forge is Birmingham's first professional co-working space located in the heart of downtown Birmingham at the Pazitz Building. With private offices, open workspace, as well as meeting and event space, Forge is the place where small business owners, entrepreneurs, and remote workers come together, meet new people, and get work done. If you would like to find out more about Forge, you can visit workatforge.com and schedule a tour directly on our website. Today on Building Birmingham Together, we have Drew Honeycutt, the CEO of Innovation Depot, and Kelly Clark, the Director of Programs at Innovation Depot. The Innovation Depot has been a cornerstone in the tech ecosystem in Birmingham for the last 25 years. It would be hard to find a tech company in Birmingham that did not spend some of their early years at Innovation Depot or rely on the services and programs at the depot to get their start. The Depot has really set the stage for this tech renaissance that we are beginning to experience here in Birmingham. As we get into the interview today, we'll talk about the implications of that on our entire city. Drew and Kelly have been on my wish list of people to interview from the inception of building Birmingham together for two reasons. One, because I believe in the work that the Depot is doing is crucial for our city, and I really wanted them to be able to share all that is going on. And two, Drew and Kelly are both new to the depot. Drew came on as CEO in May 2020, and he convinced Kelly to join him in July. So just a quick reminder of what was going on in May 2020. We were all pretty much still at home in shutdown. Drew, Kelly, and the rest of the brand new leadership team took the time while we were still working from home to redream all that the depot could be and how they could serve the city in an even greater way. So I'm so excited to share that story as well. And honestly, after our conversation, hearing about their passion for startups, entrepreneurship, and the importance of growing a thriving tech ecosystem, I left our conversation thinking, man, I want to start a tech company. I want to build the ecosystem. Um, So a fair warning, as you are listening, if you are on the edge of wanting to launch a tech company, some startup, new venture, uh, Drew and Kelly just might convince you to take the leap. But before we get into our interview today, I wanted to remind you of the summer special that we have running at Forge, which only lasts through the end of June. I do not want you to miss this chance to take advantage of a great opportunity. For the remainder of the month of June, if you join Forge with a co-working membership, your second month is free. Free. So just to break it down, you basically get two months of co-working for just $95 a month. At Forge, we realized that a lot of people are now working very differently than they were a year and a half ago and wanted to let you know of a new option of a way to work. Um, For a little while, working at home was okay, especially because everybody was working from home. 
But if you're tired of working from home, you're ready to get out of your house and interact with others. You want to actually be inspired by the place you are working. We want to give you the opportunity to work at Forge in a way that's affordable for the summer so you could take advantage of the true benefit of working in a co-working space and see the impact that it has on your work, on your business, and on your personal life. So you can book a tour directly on our website, workatforge.com. Be sure to use the code summer special. Now to the interview. So Drew and Kelly, I'm so glad to have y'all here today with me on Building Birmingham Together. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we learn more about the depot, I would love for y'all just to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about your background, where you're from, your family, um, just so we can get to know who you are as we're talking about what y'all have gone through, uh, what y'all are doing at the depot. So Kelly, you go first. All right. Hey, Birmingham. Um, so Kelly Clark, I'm originally from Birmingham, born and raised here, originally from Inslee. So just a couple of blocks um, away from the depot. Um, went to Auburn for undergrad and graduate school, War Eagle. Um, spent some time in Ohio. My husband's job took us to Ohio. I told him to bring me back because it was cold and there was no okra. And yep. um, I don't do winter. <laughs> don't do winter and I love okra. I need to be below the Mason Dixon. So, um, he brought me back. We have two small children, um, Avery and Luca. Uh, they are amazing. So I'm a mama and I'm, I'm the fun auntie and I'm a wife and, uh, I'm here employed at Innovation Depot. So that's me. Great. Thank you. Okay. Drew. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And, um, Grew up here in Birmingham, and I'm an entrepreneur at heart, have been for a long time, really for as long as I can remember. Uh, there was two things I wanted to do, either be a plastic surgeon, because I saw them driving Lamborghinis around town, and I thought, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. But then I learned you had to get a lot of extra school, and that was not for me. So um, I, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I grew up around entrepreneurs and just caught the bug at a, long, a young age, um, went to Alabama, came out, actually started in the banking world, uh, learned a lot of lessons there, quickly started another business, um, my first business post-college. And um, from there, that led me down the path of being an entrepreneur, having the trials and tribulations that come with that, and uh, ultimately uh, was was asked to, to take on this role this time last year, I guess uh, May of 2020, and really, that was spurred from my passion to, to work with entrepreneurs and especially early stage companies, uh, entrepreneurs that have great ideas that are trying to get their businesses off the ground or that are trying to go to market and take their businesses to scale and, and just enjoy working with them. And so that's that's kind of what led me to this. Um. Well, so I, I have two questions from that, and I'm trying to decide which one to go first. So. Just in case anybody listening is not familiar with Innovation Depot, can um, Drew, can you tell us just a little bit about what Innovation e Depot is and what y'all do and how you serve the city? Yeah, the Innovation Depot is a innovation hub, has been. It's been an economic development tool for the city and our region since the, the late 80s. Um, early on and for the first few generations of the of the the depot, it was mostly focused on small businesses. 
that and really life science companies. So working closely with UAB as companies, as science companies would, would emerge, they would move out and move into the depot. Um, so this is actually the third, maybe even the fourth building that the depot has been in. Uh, it's currently, uh, we moved into it in 2007. It's a former Sears department st uh, store. It's 140,000 square feet. We have 110 companies. Yeah, it's big. It's, uh, and, and it's unique for a city our size to have a building this size, uh, de purely dedicated to flexible innovation space. So there's 110 companies in here, a mix of uh, 40,000 square feet of lab space. So you've got everything from nanofibers being manufactured at scale to uh, COVID test strips being made at scale here. So there's, there's all kinds of interesting sciences. And then downstairs, you have a lot of, of uh, software companies high growth software companies and, and also some product companies as well. So yeah, we focus on not only incubating, but also helping to accelerate the growth of these businesses. And um, yeah, so we, we, our mission is to uh, really accelerate the growth of businesses by having them live here in the depot. Kelly, do you have anything that you want to add to that? Oh no, no, that was, <laughs> that was the pitch right there. That's exactly what we do. <laughs> Well, um, so y'all are both pretty new to the depot. Um, you know, to me, it still seems like you are new. I've tried not to talk about COVID very much, but it's actually been a year, but to me, time is just standing still and it still seems new, <laughs> but you've been there for almost a year now, but you both came from very different backgrounds into this place. That's for entrepreneurs, startups. So, um, could y'all just tell us a little bit about your, um, your work background and what drew you to take these new roles at the depot? We'll let uh, Drew go first. He's he. You've shared a little bit, but just tell us like where you were in the startup world and yeah. Then how. So yeah. So as an entrepreneur, um, I've been in the depot two iterations now um, as a founder and entrepreneur, and so uh, I've had some pretty intimate experiences, late night, early mornings, you name it, uh, with the building in a different capacity, and so I've always had a heart for Birmingham, grew up here. Um, I've got three daughters, three young daughters, and I want to see Birmingham, a, a place where my daughters can can come back after college and have a good career and their husbands can do the same, hopefully, and, uh, you know, all of that. And so uh, I really, the ecosystem building and just seeing what was already happening here, the, there's some, been so much good work already. Uh, the foundation's been laid and, it, and it's really just a matter of taking what's already happened and building on top of that. And so uh, we're just at a unique point where there's been some really successful outcomes and it's a matter mm -hmm. of extracting that blueprint and sharing it with other people and, and building a community around that. So that's, that's what drew me to it. Um, it's actually very similar to a startup uh, in a lot of ways where um, just kind of envisioning what we can do for the future of the community and, and trying to figure out how do we be as impactful as we can. Mm -hmm. So Kelly, what about I say you? it's like a startup. It's really not like a startup from a funding standpoint at, at, in a lot of ways, but it is just in the way we are, we're approaching it. So I guess that's right. I, I should clarify that. Right. Well, the way, well, this is 
going a little bit off, but the y'all have to ra- have to raise. I mean, you have funding from all different places, so you may not be raising major capital like some of the companies and startups, but you still you're still in that world. Well, no, no, you bring up a really good point, and that's how it is. Very similar that we are. I was talking to a startup one day that he was going to pitch for some capital. It's like, yeah, I'm headed to Jefferson County Commission to pitch for some capital as well. That yeah, in order to further our programs, which really enhances what we're trying to do here, um, we need additional funds. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and for for me, my path into this world started, I would say, um, 2016, 2017, when um, I was at the time getting back into the workforce because I had had my daughter. And so I was getting back into the swing of things and I got hired on with Innovate Birmingham. And what a lot of people don't know about Innovate Birmingham back in 2017 is there were there were essentially two sides of it. So there was the workforce development side, which is in existence running is what everyone sees now. Um, in the background, there was an economic development side at Innovate Birmingham. And that, that side was um, led by a gentleman named uh, Bob Crutchfield. And we really focused on um, recruiting startups to Birmingham, the startups that were in Birmingham, um, asking them what would it take to keep them here. Um, I sat in on lots of meetings of him going through pitch decks and consulting and mentoring startups. And it was then when I really began to recognize just the economic impact startups can have mm-hmm. as they scale. Um, it's second to none. And also, um, started to really realize just the impact that solving a big problem can just have on our community and our society. So that grand scale was just fascinating. Um, So I was there, that initiative sunset. And so I went over to the workforce development side of Innovate Birmingham, which I loved, loved our team. Um, We did really great work there. They're still doing excellent work. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we always noticed was a lot of the participants who would participate in our programming, which was to train um, adult learners who were interested in web development and data analytics. Um, a lot of them came in with aspirations to be a founder, to have a tech startup. And at the end of it, we'd have our demo day and they would always ask, okay, what's the next step? I built this app. I built this prototype. What's my next step? And so us as a team would be twiddling our thumbs like, okay, what's their next step? <laughs> Cause there was, there was no clear path, um, right. for someone. If you had an idea, where would you go? And so this was something that was on our backlog for years that we just as a team never got to because it it wasn't our main mission. And so Mm -hmm. fast forward 2020 in the middle of a global panini, um, (laughs) (laughs) I had coffee with Drew and he sold me on his vision for the depot and I made a calculated risk and um, switched jobs. And it was one of the better decisions I've made. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit, the vision, excuse me, the vision. So can you tell us, Drew, um, like how, what shift in vision there was? I know, I mean, the depot has always been a great place and done so many great, has done so much good for our city and the companies that have been there before, but you had a unique opportunity coming in, new leadership, all new team 
Plus you actually had time to think about it because of the, well, we were so busy during COVID probably doing the same things y'all are, but you did have a little bit of a different activity going on at the depot to think about what this vision could be. So what was your process in being in an organization that you were very familiar with as a, as a, um, kind of like a client, you know, you used their services, but now you are going in to provide services. What was it like dreaming of this new vision? Well, I mean, to be honest, I'd kind of always felt like Birmingham had the potential to be a very successful startup. I mean, I wasn't obviously the only one that felt like that. I was just Mm -hmm. buying into what other people had done. Um, And so our vision is, that we can have the most success per capita uh, of any of any startup community per capita in the U.S. And so what that means is ultimately we extract that blueprint of what it takes to go be success, successful because there there is a process in which you go through to be successful to do one of these things. And we're showing people how to do it. And so, um, yeah, that's our vision. And, and our role in that is helping really top of funnel uh, in, in a lot of ways, um, top of funnel early stage companies get off the ground and really help to to feed to the um, to the ecosystem. So, I mean, that's where our vision is, and we've got a lot of really good entrepreneurs. I think we're well on our way. We've got, uh, I mean, there was another uh, exit that was announced here recently with Chip Rewards. I think they announced it end of last week that there is just there's a lot of good things happening here in Birmingham. Employees are leaving those companies and they're going and starting others, and it's just it's a, it's a snowball effect. And so that's where kind of we put our stamp down is that um, not only are we going to be the best, but like look at it on a per capita basis. And I think we can, that's where we can compete. We're a mid-market community and we want to be the best. And so we're going to show people um, how to be successful and successful brood success. Mm-hmm. So my competitive nature is coming out and I'm like dying to ask. So how, how far are we from being the best? Like what, where do y'all measure that success? And how do you, how does Birmingham rank in that? Or have you measured that? Yeah, no, there's, that's a good question. And that's, that's part, that's kind of phase two that we're in right now is like, okay, first identify what that vision is. And then second, it's, we've compiled, we know what's happened and it's like, what, what we have to do going forward to get there. Um, I mean, we, we've got a ways to go, but it's it's per capita. Um, you know, it's there's not very many people in Birmingham City, right? As a, right. There's a lot of way, different ways to cut it up. Is it? Do you look at it as a region? Do you look at it as a city? And so we're we're working through really defining what that looks like. But I mean, it's for a city our size. We've had a lot of really really nice outcomes in the last three to four years, um, yeah. led by U- Unicorn. Uh, therapy brands that, you know, exited recently. And then uh, Landing is announcing another mm-hmm. 800 to 1,000 jobs coming here to the city. Um, and so there's just some really, really good things happening. So do y'all have a dream for how many new startups you would like to have, like in five years, you'd love to have, I don't know, how many new startups a year? Do y'all measure goals like that? Or how do you measure how do you set the path for what, how to bring this vision to life? 
Um, well, I have a programmatic goal okay. for the depot, and yeah. that is that is truly for every year twenty at minimum twenty prototypes coming out of our voltage yeah. program. Okay. Um, so, and that comes from the understanding of now the depot because there's so many great initiatives and organizations in Birmingham now. It gives the depot room to hyper focus, right? Right. And we're putting our stake in the ground, saying we focus on early stage companies and that top of the funnel. And so the more people that we can get through a program like Voltage and working on their ideas, if you have 20 prototypes coming out each year, then what does that look like for how many companies could potentially be within that group of 20 prototypes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's an internal goal programmatically that we have, um, but I'm sure Drew has something uh, more on a macro level. No, I mean, I think that's that what you just said is, is dead on. I mean, that's... So I love on your website where it says where startups start, the Innovation Depot, where startups start, because it does, it reaches that hyper-focused goal. So you talked just a little bit about Voltage, Kelly, but I'd love for you to talk about how you are helping startups start through your, some are new, but some are more focused programs that you've just recently defined. Yeah, so we look at our programs as tools, right? Mm -hmm. To get us to our overarching goal, which is to have a robust pipeline. Ideas to exit pipeline here in the depot, here in the switch district, here in Birmingham. And so we do that um, through three ways, through three programs. So there's Vision ID. Go to www.innovationdepot.org. Um, <laughs> You'll see all of these lists out, but there's Vision ID. And so that is very top of the funnel. That is to help folks understand what is all this buzz about? Because we hear a lot about startups, but as a community, um, we should do the diligence, due diligence of telling people why so they can buy into all of this that's happening, right? And so um, Vision ID is a seven-day program, opt-in, opt-out. Every day for seven days, you get content in your email about our ecosystem, about the resources that exist in our ecosystem, and also some definitions about these terms we throw around, like what is validation? What is product market fit? Um, these are terms that you need to know if you're in this space, and if you're not, they can create barriers, right? And so having people understand what this is, that's what Vision ID exists for. And there's some playlists in there too, um, curated by yours truly. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so do you have to, do you have to go through Vision ID to access those playlists? You do. Oh, those, okay. <laughs> those are special. Um, so yes, you do have to access Vision ID to get the playlist. And so that's V1. Then we have V2 which is Voltage. And that is our idea studio, our idea sandbox where you come in and for eight weeks, we spend that time on validating and thinking through what could a prototype look like for a new founder. So we launched that one um, in February of 2021. Mm -hmm. And we had 11 initial participants in that program. Um, and so that's voltage. And then of course it's the mothership velocity. So that's for those founders who are all in full time, 100% and, um, velocity that's 13 weeks. And this iteration of velocity and with it every iteration, we're always asking ourselves, how can we offer more hands-on support for founders? 
And another big question we've asked is, we give $50,000 in seed funding to founders. And one of the questions we're asking is, if we didn't give $50,000, would our program and what we offer as an organization still be worth someone getting on a plane, packing their bags, and living here for 13 weeks and possibly staying here? Um, so those are the questions that we're asking and kind of thinking through programmatically how we can contribute to the ecosystem. And, and to kind of dovetail on that, and maybe I didn't answer your question previously. Um, it, so how many, how many new companies does that create per year? Well, we're hoping that hundreds of new entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs go through our vision ID program mm -hmm. uh, on the voltage program. Our goal is to have that run three to four times per year. Each cohort would have 10 to 15 companies or problems that, that have been identified that they're working through. So, you know, that's between 50 and 70 new businesses, 50 and 80 new businesses each year. And then Velocity, our goal is to have, uh, currently we have one cohort, but to have two to three. Um, so that's anywhere between 15 and 30 companies going through uh, a little bit later stage as well. So that's kind of our, our goal of where we want to get. Um, mm -hmm. We've got, to, got some work to get there. Well, so how many, how many cohorts of Velocity have there been? Is it Three? Is this the fourth? I don't. Uh, this was the, this was the fifth. So twenty twenty two will be our sixth cohort. Okay, so it's just amazing though to see. I mean, I couldn't list all of the companies that have been through it, but just in that short amount of time, the so many of the companies that have gone through that program are still just um, headline news. That's not the right way to say it, but just they're, they're very strong companies now that are making a huge impact in our system, in our ecosystem. So to be able to see the success that just five years of that program, how much it's impacted our city is to me is very exciting. So, um, just to think like what impact, how much more impact, like adding these new programs to get more Birmingham people in through the velocity program, um, is pretty great. Well, yeah, I mean, $50,000 with potential follow-on funding is a lot for an early stage company. And so that gives, it's not going to, it's not going to make them by any stretch, but it's, it's going to keep them from breaking in a lot of cases and, and will allow them to, to continue to try to get to market. And so, um, yeah, it definitely serves a really useful re as a useful resource in our community. And, uh, we just look to continue to narrow our focus on how do we add value to, and what stage do we offer the value to these companies? How do we, how do we best serve them? Mm -hmm. That's what we're focused on now. So as any organization grows and leadership change, there's always um, growing pains through change in organizations. So what has it been like as y'all have come into this very established organization with lots of, there's lots of parties involved that have made the depot so great, but what has it been like to come in and try to implement a little bit of change or new ideas? What has that process been like for y'all? I honestly think that COVID and the, the happenings of COVID and the way that it made everyone, all of us be faced with a complete mindset shift contributed to our team's ability to make something shake. <laughs> 
contributed to our team's ability to make some changes when you're looking at an organization that is a staple, um, that's a beacon, that's been here over two decades, um, being able to contribute to that or make tweaks and changes, I'm convinced was only possible because we were all in this mind state of something has to change within our organizations, within ourselves. And so I think um, COVID definitely gave us the latitude to do that. So I don't even know if we can actually answer <laughs> that because without COVID, I'm not sure, but, but with COVID happening and just the global shifts happening, it, there wasn't as many growing pains as I think someone on the outside looking in would have expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's really just continuation of where our ecosystem is. And so um, this building has been around to see a lot of changes. So when they first built it out, it was only half built out. That There wasn't enough, weren't enough tenants to fill it up. And so, you know, over the years, there was, there's a lot of economic reasons to, um, you know, do different things. And we're at a point now where our ecosystem, where there's, there's enough, there's a lot of companies in town now. Um, there's a lot of people looking for space. And so the needs have just changed as a community. And that's where, um, as Kelly was saying, it was, it was kind of fortuitous that COVID happened and gave us the time to kind of reassess uh, really what is our community need not, as a whole um, and how do we serve them as, as a community. Um, and so we did a lot of, of just customer exploration and talking to people and sitting down and just figuring out uh, inside the building and outside of the building what, what is needed and how do we help to take this thing to the next level um, and just build on what's already happened here because there's been so many good things that have already happened. Mm-hmm. One of the things that y'all have said multiple times in our previous conversation is that your founder led. Your founder led. Is that what you said? Which I love going on what you said, Drew. Is as y'all were making these changes, you went to your founders. Who are your customers? Like so much of what y'all are are encouraging your startups to do. Um, and that really guided you through some of the new ideas that you wanted to implement. Yeah, our, we have a number of stakeholders as with any organization that's been around this time, but to be clear, like our main stakeholder is our founders. And so one of the, the most fun I've had in this job, um, was probably my first, 30, 60 days where I just met with people, um, met with Velocity alum from the most recent class that had finished at the time, which was cohort four to folks from the first, uh, cohort to, um, other corporate stakeholders and just getting an idea on what people want to see, want to see from the depot. And interestingly enough, we have all these stakeholders, but there were these consistent themes, right? So really it wasn't, um, it wasn't that difficult at all to remain founders first because everyone really does want to support founders. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that I want to ask y'all before we move on to some other questions is everybody listening to, to building Birmingham together today may not be in the tech scene in Birmingham. There's, you know, there's lots of other industries, businesses, but I would love for, um, maybe Drew for you to share. And then Kelly, if you have anything to add, um, why, why a growing tech ecosystem is so important for a city, especially Birmingham, where we are right now. 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked. So Birmingham as a region has, has only grown like 4% over the last 10 years. So from 2010 to 2020, um, and you think about all of the, like the, the growth that you feel like has happened here. So 4% is pretty, pretty good. Right. Um, well, city of Birmingham has only been at 0.4%. And so like we're, we're losing jobs. Um, and really the only thing that's kept us in the positive has been high growth jobs like shipped and therapy brands and pack health and fleetio. And you know, the list goes on these companies that have gone on and, and within five, six, seven, eight years, they've gone and you know hired several hundred employees. Um, and so we need industry here. We have some industry, but a, a entrepreneurial ecosystem is not one that packs up and leaves. Uh, an entrepreneur, a la Shagan Atalana, sells his company and comes back to the depot and starts another one. Um, and so that's the difference. But and, and they they grow businesses much quicker than a corporate client would, uh, than you could ever recruit one here. And so um, there's just a lot of organic growth benefits, and that's where it goes back to what why we exist. I feel like and how we can benefit the the community is we can give people. Uh, opportunities with through space and giving them a community to get plugged into where they can get, they can learn from each other and they can figure out what, what other people did to be successful. And then they can go replicate that and, and create jobs quickly. So as a city that uh, needs, needs job creation, I mean, there's, that's, that's the ugly truth about Birmingham right now is that and has been for a long time. We need jobs. Mm-hmm. We need high growth jobs, jobs that can go pay people a lot of money uh, and give people upward mobilities and they can feed their families and do all these things. Uh, we need those. And, and the, the best shot we have for that right now is through tech enabled high or high growth jobs, which are fueled by typically through tech. Mm-hmm. Kelly, do you have anything to add to that? I do not. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I definitely wanted you to share that because on the outside, you know, you hear this talk about tech, but may not realize the importance. And one of the things that I love about this podcast is I get to interview people in all different industries, or at least that's my goal, um, is to look at how the city is doing or what we're doing across different industries. Um, So I definitely wanted to point out just how important tech is in growing our city and bringing jobs. And another question that always comes up with more tech companies coming is, um, you know, do we have the workforce here to really support those companies? And so have y'all, I know Innovate Birmingham, obviously y'all are doing, or not, when you were at Innovate Birmingham and now Innovate Birmingham is continuing to do the work to help grow that workforce. But do y'all feel positive about um, the workforce to be able to support these high growth companies um, or about recruitment to Birmingham? It's complicated. I mean, yes and no. <laughs> uh, I mean, so here's the here's the issue we, we ran into five, 10 years ago is if you recruited a senior engineer to Birmingham and they pack up their family, a senior engineer is typically has a family or a little bit older, you know, a little more mature. They pack up their family from the Valley and then move to Birmingham and then they end up not liking their job. Where else are they going to go? And that's the issue that, that has kept a lot of people from moving here. What's flipped is 
Um, you have a lot of younger people. So the programs like Innovate Birmingham and like all the, the work that's happened over the last decade to, to prime our community to, to train people in development, it's, it's coming true. So you're seeing more young talent. Uh, there's, there's a young guy here this summer interning uh, with a company that's he's brilliant. He's going to be a senior in college next year, and hopefully he comes back to Birmingham. Um, and so there's there's definitely a wave of people. Do we have a gap? Yeah, we will. As long as we can continue to grow companies at hopefully the pace we want to, we will always have a little bit of a skill gap there. But um, I think now you can one recruit recruit senior senior engineers here a lot easier because if they do leave, they, there's plenty of other places to go. Right. Uh, and there is there's also kind of junior plenty of junior level developers, and there's a lot of developers that have worked on really awesome products that have had success now. So there's, they're very seasoned and they may not have 30 years of experience, but they, they know what the heck they're doing. They're mm -hmm. good. So I, I like where we're headed as a community in that way. Kelly, do you have any insight there? Um, yeah, I would, I would agree. I think um, there's definitely a workforce gap. Uh huh. There we go. Um, I think it's going to look a lot different in the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think that gap will narrow extremely, will narrow. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, organizations like Innovate Birmingham, um, creating junior level talent. And then the fact that we all have a comfort level with remote now just opens mm -hmm. up the world um, for companies who do need senior level talent. Um, so leveraging that, absolutely. And it's just, and the reason I say in three to five years, it will look different because every day we're meeting with people who are on the ground doing the work to build workforce talent, right? So there's Innovate Birmingham, there's Generator with their ups, their new upskilling program, their um, local high schools who um, are really focusing on entrepreneurship and tech within their curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, so there are just so many things happening on the ground to meet people um, at the top of the funnel or earlier in their education to where I can confidently say in five years that gap is going to look a lot different. We just got to hold on. <laughs> We've got to get this. got to hold Continue on. Continue the good work. And, 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 and introduce our kids and our, yeah. and our, the young people into the, into the STEM. And, um, and we, we were talking to a, a teacher here, high school teacher here at the depot today, um, that, that you can learn how to code affordably now. Um, yeah. and if that's your thing, like if you're into gaming or if you're into, you know, engineering or whatever it is, there's, there's a, and there's so many different skills that you can learn and apply, whether it's marketing or development or data or operations or sales, or, I mean, the list goes on. And these are all really good careers that if you just learn it, you don't necessarily have to go to college. You don't have to follow the, your typical career path and, and like go create your own career path, but you have to build a skill. And that's the, that's uh, hopefully once these, and I'm really excited that these, that teachers and and parents are looking for like, what are the jobs of the future? And, uh, that's what they are. They're all based around software and growth and engineering. Right. Okay. Shifting gears just a little bit. Um, Drew, this question is for you. So in this role and a little bit before, but definitely this role, you've shifted from being a founder of a startup and then helping 
sort of in that same role, other startups, but um, what are some of the challenges that you've faced from shifting from a founder startup world to leading this organization with so many different moving parts? Not that startups don't have so many <laughs> moving parts. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like running a, uh, a, uh, multi-sided marketplace to be honest. Um, because there is, there's multiple different communication partners and, um, stakeholders. And so in that way, um, I mean, I I've, I've run a business that's a multi-sided marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that really, that helps when you're starting to deal with a lot of different stakeholders of just figuring out how do you, like, how do you prioritize all that? Um, right. I don't know if there's any, like any difficulties or, or anything like that that's arisen aside from, um, you know, just trying to figure how do you navigate, how do you build culture and during a COVID during a pandemic and you're like trying to test all this stuff, or, you know, we're trying to get all this feedback and a lot of it is, it's like, Hey, come tell us. And nobody wants to come to the building at the time. And so, uh, you know, a lot of it's kind of wing and prayer and getting a lot of like digital feedback from people. That was probably the, the hardest thing is just building and doing a lot of this stuff in a vacuum is, um, is like, okay, we got a response now let's go do it. And then hope people really do like it. And so that's, uh, yeah, but it's been, it's been, uh, reaffirming when having people coming through the depot and, just energetic about what's what all's going on. So what in your past has prepared you for this role? Like what are some of the things that now you're like, Oh man, that really helped me in this new role. Startups. I mean, you know, (laughs) helping get, get a startup off the ground because you know, dealing with multiple stakeholders is, is again, it's just like managing a community, a community pipeline and just making sure the right people get the right messages Um, but the big thing is, is knowing how to interact with startups, how to have some empathy with them, how to, Mm -hmm. how to give them some advice, whether it's valid advice or not, I don't know, but, um, (laughs) you know, at least it's from experience and, and, you know, I can give people some advice on things not to do and some things to do. And, um, you know, at least, at least give them some critical thinking to help them think about the other side. And so, uh, I think that's probably that's been a valuable tool to have of just um, I love jumping in there in the middle of it with them. And just when they're in their, you know, hardest moments and trying to figure out how do we get you out of the mud here? Mm-hmm. So, um, cause I think people appreciate that. I know I do when, yeah. And as an entrepreneur, you get stuck there a lot. So Kelly, this question is for you. Um, what are looking back like five to 10 years from now, what are your hopes and dreams for where the depot will be, what the impact that it will have on the city? For where the depot will be my dream that I see when I lay in bed at night. Yeah. <laughs> or someone in West Coast, East Coast, wherever, um, to be working on their business and say, okay, I need to go to Birmingham because I need to get this off the ground. And I heard, I read in Fast Company that (laughs) Birmingham (laughs) is where you go to start your startup, specifically going to this place called Innovation Depot. Um, That would be my dream on just a, a wide level. As far as the city goes, 
for the switch district. So this mm-hmm. Northwestern quadrant um, to be walkable, vibrant people t- for it to have even a little bit of anarchy. And what I mean by anarchy before people <laughs> don't take that. What I mean about anarchy is just there are spaces where people can just come into and just exist and collaborate and collide. Um, mm-hmm. And so also having the depot or this quadrant being a place where our programs, um, be it ours, be it any of our partners, we don't have to recruit because the talent is here or the talent is coming here. Um, so those are my, my moonshot uh, dreams for, for Birmingham and for the depot. So we'll see what that looks like in the next couple of years. So, okay, this question is for both of you. Um, if you were talking with a young founder, which you do all the time, uh, what is some advice that you give to young founders or if somebody's listening to this and is, has an idea, is thinking about something new, tech or not, what advice would you give to that person? Uh, yeah, so it's all about the problem. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I mean, if you've got a solution that you've already envisioned in your mind, put that on the table, scrap it, and let's go back to the drawing board and let's identify exactly what the problem is. And let's go test around that. Let's do some market validation. Let's do some customer discovery and let's get some feedback and let's figure out exactly what the problem, if the problem exists, if it's a marketable problem. And then from there, we can start figuring out that if it's mark, if there's true marketability for what you're talking about, um, but that's like, yeah, we see it a lot that, uh, naturally people's, their minds want to go to the solution, but you've got to really understand the problem that you're trying to solve so that, um, people can, will consistently buy you. Cause it's not just the one time that they buy you. It's the, the value comes in them returning to buy you. Right. Um, and so that's where that's, that's what it's all about is really, and, and, and from my opinion is really understanding that pain point. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Drew. He said it. I mean, what we found through our programs and conversations is that good entrepreneurship is just an exercise in empathy. Mm. And the best entrepreneurs who come through our programs um, have trained themselves to decenter themselves and to recenter the customer. Um, so while an entrepreneur as a founder, we may want to do X, but the, com- the customer wants Y. And so it really is an exercise in empathy and the, the validation process, the asking people questions, the surveys, it is not sexy. It is tedious, but it saves so much time and money on the front end. So, um, yeah, definitely what Drew says, starting with the problem and, and flexing that empathy. So, okay, last question. And just if y'all have any lessons that you've learned along the way that impacts the way that you lead your organization or make decisions. Kelly, I'll let you go first this time. Ooh, so many. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned being in this space, be it working with developers in Birmingham or working with entrepreneurs here, is just the power of just doing it mm-hmm. and just putting it out there, 85% done and getting feedback as it happens. Um, Cause I think I said this before, if we were to wait till at least programmatically, if we were to wait till every program was perfect, we wouldn't have a program in 2023. Right. <laughs> 
Um, and so one of my, the biggest lessons I've learned is just putting things out there and, um, being able to take feedback as a skill, just like being able to give it. And so definitely that. Drew, what about you? Yeah, I mean, definitely what she just said. And then there's no magic one bullet that's going to make you wildly successful. And, and uh, I said his name before, but Shagan has said it before um, or multiple times where, yeah, you can skip a, pro- a step or two in, during the process and you may be successful, but your chances of success go way down mm. when you skip, especially the early stage stuff. So uh, my advice is just like follow the plan and, and, and don't get ahead of yourself. It's real easy to want to go market and try to sell a product, uh, quickly as you want to, because you want to ship a product quickly, but, um, you also want to make sure you, you understand what you're shipping. So, okay. Somebody listening to this, if it's really resonated and they think, Oh, I want to learn more, or I have an idea, how can I get involved? Where would you direct people, um, to learn more about the services at Innovation Depot? Glad you asked that, Kim. Um, (laughs) if you're interested in learning about Innovation Depot, you can go to www.innovationdepot.org. We're also very active on Instagram. So we're always posting our stories. Shout out to Britt, our marketing director. Um, and also go to our website, subscribe to our newsletter. So you can learn all the happenings and comings and goings of our team and our founders. Oh, and I have to add Drew and Kelly also uh, uh, a couple weeks before building Birmingham together launched y'all also launched a podcast idea to exit, uh, which is great, which tells a lot of their founders stories. So if you love hearing about businesses starting, especially Birmingham ones, um, it is also another great podcast, um, to add to your list, to listen to, to hear about other companies in Birmingham. So on that note, I have two rapid fire questions for y'all. Oh, three, I'll add one. Um, so just first, uh, top of the mind. So Kelly, I'll let you go first. Um, Besides idea to exit or building Birmingham together, (laughs) what um, is one of your top, if you're a podcast listener, one of your top two podcasts that you like to listen to that are business related? Ooh, um, that would be um, How I Built This. Love How I Built This. Um, And I also really like um, Ladies Who Launch, I think. Oh, I haven't heard of that Secrets of Wealthy Women. Oh, okay. Um, Secrets by Wealthy Women. I I think it's put on by the New York Times or Forbes one, but it's a great podcast too. So those are my top two. Okay. All right, Drew. Uh, I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan, especially the old, old, old stuff, like episodes one through 100. Um, Okay. Like the the early, uh, yeah, just like less than 50 episodes. Those are really good. Okay. I enjoy those. Okay. And next question is book, which, what, what's the top book you recommend to, um, for people for business? I have two, um, startup opportunities. And the second one is, um, uh, uh, essential. Okay. Yeah. The essentials. Yeah. It really talks about how to narrow down your focus and cut out all the noise and distractions. All right, Drew, what about you? 
Start small, stay small. A developer's guide to launching a startup. Short book, it's like 120 pages, um, but it's all about focus and all of these things that we talked about today of, you know, how do you get, how do you get an early stage business off the ground, early stage software-based business and, and, and shipping it and, and really building a, a product around a thesis and, and um, you know, just building some focus. I think it's one of the best, if you're building software, especially it's a really good book. Okay. Um, okay. And this third one has nothing to do with business, but it does have to do with Birmingham. So what, um, we're very foodie town here. So what's your favorite Birmingham restaurant? <laughs> I'll let Drew go first. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a tough one. My <laughs> wife and I actually had this conversation last Friday. We we're, um, I don't know if I can go just like one. I, okay. I love Chef on Fawn. Um, like there's, uh, there's obviously like Highlands and some of those, but my wife and I kind of like to, to dress down a little bit sometimes and go to like Chef on Fawn or um, um, Ocean or I don't know. There's a bunch of really good ones in town. Yeah, I'm going to give two, Kim. I'm okay. going to give one that's like within the Birmingham city limits. That's okay. The, that's Ovenbird. Okay. Period. And within the Birmingham MSA, um, it would be Rozak Caribbean Cuisine. Now, listen. I've never heard of it. Well, listen, it's inside of a car wash, but do not let that detract you. Oh, no. <laughs> it is the best Caribbean food in Birmingham, I've been searching for good Caribbean food in Birmingham for like a decade. And then okay, so yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to look that up. We'll yeah. put the address in the show notes for people who haven't heard of that one. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being here, um, doing this interview with me, being on this podcast. I really appreciate it. I have always admired the work that the depot is doing. Have um, from the beginning of starting forge just am so thankful for the work that y'all doing the impact that it has in our city um so i'm so glad that i got to have you two here to share what's going on how people can get involved and just the importance of the work besides just space or bringing tech entrepreneurs together but just the greater impact that it has on the city so thank you for your work thank you for being here today thank you Pat. thank you Building Birmingham Together is brought to you today by Forge. If you're tired of working from home and looking for a professional place to work to get work done, Forge is your solution. And don't forget, you have just a couple of weeks left to take advantage of our summer special. You can visit workatforge.com to schedule your tour today. Be sure to use the code SUMMERSPECIAL to get one month free co-working membership. <laughs>